think of a better Christmas hymn than that song. People talk about peace on earth, goodwill to men, but that's how we live it. And uh, just just a quick announcement. We are moving the caroling from the 20, to the 21st from the 14th. Uh, because it's going to rain all day Friday, uh, Saturday in Fleshman's. Uh, I think I saw a look of dismay. I guess that's going to mess up the Brinkman's, right? Okay, sorry. Um, but uh, that that was actually Brother Heimrun's recommendation that we do that. Um, I don't think he wants to drive around in the rain and nobody's going to come out and listen. So... Um, All right, take your Bibles and let's go to the book of Ephesians, the book of Ephesians once again. And uh, honestly, chapter 4 of the book of Ephesians is one of the uh, truly, truly pivotal chapters of the Bible. Uh, As Paul is talking to the Ephesians, he's begging them, he's telling them, he, he is pulling their heartstrings. He said, I'm the prisoner of the Lord. I want you to think of all the suffering I have endured as a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I am begging you to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. And we've dealt with this many different ways over the years. But there is no one that is exempt from full-time Christianity. Uh, There is not a one of us that uh, can take a break from our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, We attended a church one time and the people would say, I'm not going to be here next week, I'm taking a vacation. And I get to visit other churches and go other places. And they didn't leave the city. They just took a break from the church. And I kind of thought, oh, that's kind of weird. And and, uh, yet, uh, we do understand that sometimes you have to be out of town and and away from uh, the church. But if you're here, you you ought not need a break from what God has called us to do. And then we dealt with the fact that we are supposed to be Uh, have an attitude of lowliness, meekness, forbearing one another in love, trying to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Last week was because everything is of God. There's only one church. And uh, we have to be careful. People say, well... Well, you, you, when you say there's only one church, you, you talk about hundreds of different churches. Yeah. But how many of them can you be a member of and serve in at one time? Try one. Uh, How many times can you be baptized? How many different ways can you be baptized and still be obedient to the Bible? Try one. Amen? Uh, How many lords do we worship? How many different places do we get instructions? Now, we've got to be careful here. Uh, there's, uh, I remember meeting a preacher years ago. didn't meet him personally. He was in the church. He preached and he said, my name is Johnny Pope. And he said, I'm the only Baptist Pope you're ever going to meet. And, and uh, uh, that was just one of his fun little jokes that he had with everybody. But there's a lot of people out there that want to be uh, gurus. I remember attending a Bible college years ago and 
And the professor who was teaching, when he saw we were visitors, immediately changed the entire lesson plan to tell us strangers that if we wanted to do anything right, we should follow the example of that church. And uh, the only truth of the matter is, there's only one example we follow. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. He allows us to do things a little differently. If I did uh, everything the way I did at Cleveland Baptist Church, just because that was the way that, uh, uh, that was the church that sent us here, we, we wouldn't have a church today. In fact, some of the things we didn't, uh, did there weren't very successful. My wife and I, I don't know how many hundreds of doors we knocked on in our bus route and never got one positive response. And then all of a sudden, kids started coming. And so that was good. We worked that bus route for a little over a year. And uh, But the simple truth of the matter is, it is one Lord. Let's, let's go through the list. One body, one spirit, even as you're called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. He is above all. He is through all, there's none beside Him, and He is in you all. Everything we ought to do should be because of Him. And then we get into this passage that explains how everything is of God. He is the only one that came from heaven. He is the one that has given to each of us a gift, a measure of the grace that Jesus Christ has given us. And that grace is to be used in the church. Now, not only did he give, a, it says, verse 7, But in every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. And then verse 11, where we kick in tonight, start in tonight. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some Pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ." that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Now, this is how the church is supposed to work. We start in verse 17, and uh, which Lord willing will do next Thursday night, and Paul begins to give examples and instructions and commands on how believers are supposed to walk in this context 
of this organization, of this living organism, we might better say, the local church. How this is supposed to happen. And oftentimes, if I have opportunity, uh, 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 a couple comes and says, we want to get married. I say, well, I'd like to go through some verses. And you know where I start? Ephesians 4.1. And I go through chapter 5. And we touch on a few things in chapter 6. You know what? Because everything you need to know about life, you want to be prepared for life, you need Ephesians 4, 5, and 6. It, it just is that you can't get away with living for Christ and not being, uh, not understanding these passages here. Now, in verse 11, it says, And he gave some. Now, this is talking about individuals. Now, every so often you'll meet someone or drive past a church. I remember uh, uh, being in New York City here just a few months in 1992 and walking down the street. And there was a little track laying on the ground. I picked it up and it said, Apostle Johnny somebody uh, from some kind of church. And he claimed that title, Apostle, for himself. And I'm going, wow, that's, uh, that's pretty amazing because the biblical requirements for an apostle are eyewitnesses of the ministry of Christ. Uh, Paul referred to himself as an apostle as one born out of due time, but he spent three years with Jesus in the Arabian desert, read Galatians chapter 1. And so he was personally trained in an eyewitness of uh, Jesus Christ and his ministry, though it was done a little later so that Paul could be this apostle. The apostles are the bringers of God's revelation. They are the writers of the book. Now, Luke was a little different. He was a historian. He went through and checked out the stories and under the influence of the Holy Spirit, of course, he wrote down the things that he had been able to gather and see and hear and know uh, for himself, especially in the book of Acts, but the uh, the writings in the book of Luke. Uh, Luke was one of those guys. I don't know if they had them in those days, little notepads, but, I mean, he always had something in his pocket, and he was writing down, you know a story of Jesus. Tell me the story of Jesus. And And he put all those things together, and we now have... The Gospel of Luke. The next comes prophets. And, and we're not going to belabor this tonight, but the biblical, the most biblical sense of the word prophet is one who foretells things that are going to happen. I mean, that was the biblical prophet. And yet Jesus said, all the prophets prophesied until who? John the Baptist. Now, what was John the Baptist's primary message? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Was it not? Uh, what was Jesus' first sermon? Uh, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Uh, what do we try to preach here? Uh, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Amen. Uh, it is simply preaching the Bible. And so... In this sense, if we would like to stretch this a little bit, I don't think we're going out of context of the Scripture because there have always been 
what we would just call great preachers. How many of you have heard Brother Sam Davison preach? Uh, I mean, he just qualifies as a, a super preacher. How many of you remember Dr. Art Wilson back in the year 2000? You were here for Dr. Wilson. Uh, he's just the most amazing preacher I've ever personally heard preach was Dr. Art Wilson. That guy could preach an hour and a half and you were just sitting there going, you're done already? I, I, uh, come on, let's have some more here. And... and uh, uh, he was just an amazing man. Uh, I, I would put Larry Clayton in that category. I mean, these are just some... I mean, you you take Brother Clayton and put him in the pulpit and let him preach, and I mean, just something magical almost happens. And it's not magic. It's the Holy Spirit of God. They have a gift for preaching, and God often uses these men to travel and preach in other churches. I, I would say... Brother Sam's greatest influence has not just been as the pastor of Southwest Baptist Church, but as he's traveled this nation for the last 20 years representing Heartland and still represents Heartland, even though he's no longer the president of the school. Uh, I'll tell you, I go places and I'll talk. Have you ever heard Brother Sam Davison preach? And I'll either get one. uh, I said, no, you haven't heard him preach. Uh, Or they'll say, oh, wow, yeah. I've heard him preach. In fact, they were comparing Bible colleges one time. One of the other uh, directors, uh, and we were talking about it. And he said, "I just asked him the question: Have you ever heard Brother So and So preach?" And the other representative of the other Bible college says, "That's not fair." Talking about how great a preacher Brother Sam is compared to uh, just some other people and. That's, that's where that prophet thing comes in. Uh, but then we have evangelist. Now, that's very simple. What is an evangelist? It's somebody who takes the gospel to a place where it's not. We call them missionaries. And uh, we break them up into home missionaries and foreign missionaries. But that is the job of an evangelist. It's church planting. Whether it's on the foreign field or home. And then comes the last of these gifts, and that is the pastor and teacher. I started out as an evangelist, starting a church. And now I am a pastor and teacher of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church. And I get to dabble a little bit in the church planning ministry and helping other people as they go out. But my prayer from day one has been, Lord, let me stay and let's send some other people out to do the real hard work. Amen. The, start, the starting of the new churches. And the reason for that is I knew people and have seen the history. My wife, when her family went out on the road in the 70s, uh, they went out of probably the greatest example of a church plant in the last 50, 100 years in New York City. I mean, uh, well, I wouldn't say from the very uh, 1900s, but since 1960 for sure, this church was started in the early 70s. They they bought an A&P store, an old food market in the Bronx. And they had well over 200 people there in church every Sunday morning. They had a Christian school. They did not raise missionary support. They were doing everything on their own. 
And the pastor wore himself out and he left. And the next guy came in and it went, and it's gone. And so my, my prayer is the Lord would lead me stay here. And we would send other people out. And that's part of the inner city missions class that we host through Heartland here, is to get people in and get them involved. And so these are gifts that God has given. We're primarily interested in the last two, evangelists, pastors, teachers. This is how the local church functions. Uh, we enjoy the visiting of prophets, and nobody that I named tonight would stand in this pulpit and say, well, I agree with you, Brother Pete, I think I'm a prophet of this age. Uh, they'd be really mad at me for calling them that, because the primary idea of prophet is foretelling. Well, that ended with John. And so the primary office would be forth-telling, if you like the play on words. And... Uh, we, we have some people that fill that uh, position there, and we have to be careful because you turn on TBN and everybody's a prophet. I mean, they're forecasting headaches and uh, diseases and healings, and none of which uh, is verifiable or really happens. What each of these people do here is they work in the local church. Remember, there are many different local churches, but you can only be involved in one. And that's where you ought to be. That is the church that God put you in. And you ought to stay there until God moves you in one way or another. Uh, the preferred method of, of different churches is uh, through the undertaker's office as you go to heaven and get promoted. Amen? And stay and serve. Because these men have a job. And uh, I, I will tell you, over the years, I've met many people who, as they were growing in their relationship with God, they'd get a little pressure. They didn't like this. They didn't like that. And then they'd go join another church. A new church came and started in the area. And they said, wow, this is great. A lot of excitement, a lot of new things. I'll go over and be a help there. Well, the only problem is you have the danger of you looking for a church that you like rather than going through this process of being perfected. None, none of us like change. My wife says, but you ask me, why are you not taking what I said? Uh, it was a rhetorical question. No, um, the uh, truth of the matter is none of us really like improvement because improvement means change. Perfecting means the removal of things that are not as good as they ought to be. Wouldn't we agree with that? How many of you ladies have ever perfected a recipe? Is by adding a little more of this and a little less of this and removing that and putting until you got everything just right. If you're a musician, uh, the perfecting of a piece of music to perform or to uh, to do our our children. Uh, I'm looking forward to Christmas Eve because we're going to start the Christmas Eve service. I think we got what six now. Six of our 
littlest ones who are all going to do their uh, open-door Bible Baptist Church premiere, I might say. Uh, I think we're even going to hear from the trumpet, aren't we? Maybe. Okay, we'll see what happens here. And uh, so, and that's how we're going to start the service. So if you come late, you're going to miss, uh, hopefully not the best part. Hopefully the best part will be the preaching. But uh, the most exciting part and the most memorable part, more than likely, will be uh, all of these younger ones doing their little things before uh, the service starts. And I'm looking forward to that. And right now, uh, they're perfecting as a choir. We're trying to... Uh, perfect a very special song for Christmas Eve and, and trying to get everybody to come in at the right time and trying to get the director to bring everybody in at the right time. Uh, I listened to the song probably 10 or 15 times yesterday on the way out to Long Island and back, trying to, one, two, three, four, ah, not missed it. Okay, we'll do it again. And, and this is this is what church is about, my friend. And by the way, if if we're going to do this, uh, there's only one way to say this, and so I'm just going to say it. It is giving your pastor the benefit of the doubt. How many of you know what I mean when I say that? It means if you don't like the way I'm doing something... You start praying about it and say, okay, Lord, I'm just going to follow the pastor because it's his job to perfect the saints, not mine. And that's something we have to work on as a church. Uh, that's something we've had to work on since day one. Uh, I remember when we were just starting, Andrew turned 27 years old today. I turned 27 years old the Saturday after our first Thursday night service. And uh, I'll tell you, my wife said, you, you never let us celebrate your birthday. You don't tell anybody how old you are. And uh, uh, I was the youngest man in the church. My wife was the youngest adult woman in the church. And I, I just didn't feel good about advertising that. In fact, uh, I had to, we had a church member and I found out that he was going around counseling different people on how to raise their children and And the only problem was he had done a very bad job with his. And I had to sit down and I said, now, sir, you have to understand something. He said, no, you have to understand something. I'm the elder of the church. I said, no. I said, you're the eldest member of our church right now. He said, but the word elder is pastor. And so you have to understand, I may be younger, but I'm still the elder of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church. And that was that was very difficult for me to do. And I still do not like conflict. But if we're going to perfect saints, we're, we're going to have to work together. Somebody's going to have to say things and other people are just going to have to willingly follow along. Uh, that's what we're trying to do, the work of the ministry. And uh, Brother Wass was talking to Brother Newberger and saying, wow. I said, you must, you must feel like you're in construction all the time. Your main ministry is... Con- How much... Is he? And Brother Mike just looked at him and said, listen, when it comes to construction, 
I'm Pastor Montoro's helper. And, uh, and why do we do that? Because if we didn't do all that work, we wouldn't have place to meet. If we had to pay someone to come in and build our, our building as we have over these last 20-some years, uh, we wouldn't be in operation. We wouldn't have given a million dollars to missions. I'll promise you that. We'd have had to spend that on hiring contractors. And uh, I'll tell you what, I, some of the work of the ministry is picking up a hammer and saw. Some of it's doing uh, these things. But the whole idea is the edifying of the body of Christ. Uh, one time a preacher was preaching at uh, graduation week at Heartland, and he said, I just have one bit of advice, advice for you graduates. Move toward ministry. And I'm going, wow, that's original now, isn't it? Uh, that is so profound and so simple. And... Uh, my, my statement is, move toward church. That, that is the duty of each of us as believers in Christ. What we're trying to do, the only thing that we've ever tried to do at Open Door Bible Baptist Church is have church. In fact, one of the men at community was just talking with me and he said, I don't know what we'd do if you guys hadn't come and helped us. I don't know where it would be if Andrew wasn't our pastor. At least we have a church. It was ready to close. Hey, that's the work of the ministry. Amen? Uh, and, and that has to be led by prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. The apostles do their part posthumously through the written Word of God. Amen? We are following their direction and we keep the pattern that was set Because here's what we're supposed to do. Till we all come. Now, we all is Paul's way of saying y'all. You all. It's y'all if you're from Oklahoma. Uh, And uh, the idea here is that each one of us individually are to come to a point to where we have unity of the Faith. You see, there's one faith. And we're supposed to agree about that faith. We're supposed to have a unity. We, uh, 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 people have said different things, and we, we don't argue about Bible versions in English here. We just don't do that. If you want to, you can go do that somewhere else, but you're not going to do it here. Uh, we don't argue about how many different kinds of churches Jesus started And we don't argue about baptism. Now, sometimes we'll do some investigating and we find out that maybe that baptism didn't quite meet biblical standards. And therefore, if we're going to err, we're we're going to do so on the side of doing things as simple and as biblical as we can. Because there's only one kind of baptism we can be involved in. There's only one thing we can do to identify with baptism, and that is being baptized in water by immersion by a proper biblical authority. We want to do, we want to honor God that way till we all come in the unity of the faith, and then we really need to put 
Uh, because and is there, then there's a unity of the knowledge of the Son of God. Passing out tracks on Saturday, and uh, can I give you a Christmas track? And the guy smiled. I'm a Christian, but I don't celebrate Christmas. And I said, wait a minute. Oh, ding dong. Ah, you're a Jehovah's Witness, aren't you? And he says, yes. I said, you're not a Christian. Oh, yes, I am. I said, no, you're not. I said, how can you be a Christian and not even know who Jesus is? I said, you figure that out first and then we'll go from there. And walked off and uh, tried not to be adversarial any more than was necessary. But how can you say, I'm a Christian and I don't care anything about Jesus' birth? How can you say that? You can't. You, well, I guess you can. You can say anything you want. But we need to have the same understanding, the knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. He is God the Son. He is the creator God of the universe, the eternal God of gods, and yet He's as much human being as any one of us in this room. How those two things Happen. I'll go back to the book of Luke. The Holy Spirit shall overshadow thee, come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. God did it. He molded together in Mary the fullness of him that filleth all in all in a human being, a man. We need to know about Jesus. Read Second Peter chapter 1. Everything you need to know about the Christian life is connected in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We've got to keep moving. It says, The unity of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. Now, it's been a while since I preached on biblical perfection, but the word perfect there simply means complete, lacking nothing. God wants us to be perfect. He wants us to be a perfect church, a perfect man, till we grow up and become an adult and take our position as a church of Jesus Christ. And here's how we're measured Unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. You know what the simplest and the most wonderful thing that I think anybody has ever said about Open Door Bible Baptist Church is when they hear some of our stories, they go, wow, only God could have done that. I think we're getting close. Amen? Amen? Somebody visits and says, oh, I had a guy send an email and says, I come from a little tiny church and I need this or that or something. And I said, well, we're a little tiny church. I mean, you look at us in New York City and even compare us to many other churches that we fellowship with. We're not that great of a church. But the Bible says, for thou hast a little strength. And I'm holding on to that. You know Why? Because we want that testimony that we show 
Jesus Christ and His power to the world in which we live. Then we get to verse 14. That we henceforth be no more children. Now, it's a good thing we took the banners down. Uh, except you be converted and become as little children and follow God as dear children. We're not going to be children anymore. No. Uh, that's not what this verse is saying. Uh, there's no contradiction in Scripture. What this verse is saying is that what, what do little children do? How many of you have ever taken something out of your pocket, a quarter or something, put it in your hand, and you go like this, and then you go like that, and you open your hand... And, What'd you do? They get a little older and the first thing they do is run around, grab the other hand and start prying it open. Uh, they, they've learned your tricks. But I'll tell you, the world is full of tricks. If you want to know why, I constantly say, please, do not go on the internet searching for Bible truth. Uh, because this is where these people are. And we've had so many come through our doors over the years, and it is so sad. As it, but I heard this, and I believe what they said on that uh, Internet video, on that YouTube video. And they will not accept the simple preaching of what the Bible says, and they move on to their own hurt and their own destruction. You see, it says... Tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. I mean, that's what this neo-Calvinism is that uh, we've had. Uh, I, I wouldn't begin to put a number on it, but it's been well over a dozen students at Heartland that I know about that have swallowed this pill, this poison pill of Calvinism, and they've turned their backs on their Bible and on their theology, and they think they're so smart and the Bible says they're little children. They've been carried away with the wind of doctrine. They have been deceived by the slight of man and cunning craftiness. What are we supposed to do? Uh, we're supposed to speak the truth in love. We are supposed to help one another grow up into Him. Now, we're still working out the details, but... Uh, 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 we're trying on a new Bible reading schedule for this coming year. And uh, it, it's uh, going to be a little different because you might not just keep the same Bible reading schedule all year. In fact, I want to challenge you. Uh, you're here early. I'll, I'll give you one of the Bible reading schedules. will be reading through the entire New Testament in one month. That can be done. About 12 pages a day. And you ought to do that at least once before you meet Jesus. Now, shouldn't you? That can be done, and, and it'll change you. If you want a great working knowledge of the Bible, you need to be able to read your Bible. You must get the words in you. Uh, speaking the truth in love that we can grow up into Him in all things which is ahead, even Christ. We, we are trying to grow up into Christ. Now, um, the whole idea here is that when we grow up into Jesus, it's like the story you've told several times of the little boy asking his father how tall Jesus was and, and said, 
But Daddy, even if Jesus was only five foot two, I'm just a little boy. If he's living inside, wouldn't he be sticking out somewhere? And the whole truth of the matter is that's what growing up into Jesus is, is allowing the person, the presence, the love, the the power of the Lord Jesus Christ to be sticking out of us, to be noticed by the people that we meet, to to be noticed. I, I've had people walk in the back door and they said, I just feel something different in your church. I said, well, that's, we're, we're praying that you do. We, uh, we believe that's the Holy Spirit of God. I've had some people come in and say, oh, I don't feel anything. Yeah, it's because you're not saved. Uh, you, you don't even, you don't have the love of Christ. You don't know anything about Him. And so how in the world would you be comfortable here? We, we want you to be uncomfortable if you're saved. We want you to understand that you need something you do not have. And we all must grab a hold of this truth of growing up into Christ because it is from Him. If you're serving Christ and I'm serving Christ and we're trying to serve Him in this church, we ought to have a great deal of congruence. Now, that's a geometric term from geometry. Uh, uh, congruent triangles are perfectly matching triangles. And you know what the world says? You just a bunch of mind-numb robots. Well, have you ever been around when a group of these worldly people are doing their thing? I mean... It's pink here and green here and orange here and orange here, green here. But it's all the same thing, just a little bit different. They imitate each other. If you listen to the news, every newsmaker gives the same story, repeats the same words as if there was one master guru. I hate Trump and passes it out. CBS, ABC, NBC, CNN, I mean, all the news networks. I mean, Fox has even gotten in on it from what I hear. I don't listen to most of that stuff. But I'll tell you what, if we will understand that we're growing up into Christ, it's okay for us to be in agreement on some things. It's okay for us to do some things the same way. It says, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, According to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh the increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Now, we, I could actually preach a whole sermon on every one of these verses, and that's not my goal. We want to keep moving through to get the bigger picture here. But the, the idea here is, if I'm speaking the truth in love, that might mean that I might have to be modified just a little bit so that I can go through that perfecting process. Amen? And if, uh, if I'm working on that perfecting per- process just because I might agree with someone that is in the church that we're doing things together... 
we have an idea here that each person has been brought together by Jesus Christ. I remember years ago, my wife and I were just newly married. We were making some visits and I knocked on the door and a man came out and and I said, we're from Cleveland Baptist Church. He says, I hate that church. And I said, well, my, my card here says that you were saved in the church just about a month ago. He said, I've been the most miserable man in the world ever since I got saved. He said, I got saved and I got baptized. And he said, I hate Roy Thompson. I hate that preacher there. I know what a high-pressure salesman is and that's what he is. And I'm sitting there going, whoa, wait a minute. And I just said, you know something? I said, Pastor Thompson's my pastor, and I love, I love Brother Thompson. I don't. I said, well, just wait a minute. Let me talk here. I said, Cleveland Baptist isn't the only good church in Cleveland. I said, in fact, there's another church, and uh, I told him the name and the address. and He's a deacon in that church all these years later. He has been the pastor's right-hand man for many, many... He just went in and fit. You know, that's the work of Jesus Christ. He makes us work together. He allows us to put up with each other. If you're fortunate enough to be married, you need to understand something... There's an awful lot of the grace of God at work making your significant other willing to put up with you. Never forget that. And uh, don't ever forget that the, the only reason that it works both ways, amen, there's just something there. And listen, as a pastor, I, I hope and pray the reason you keep coming back is because the Holy Spirit of God allows you to put up with me. And it allows me to put up with you. I mean, this is the way it works. We're trying to grow together to serve the Lord and make that increase. There, The body increases itself in the love of Jesus Christ. You see, we, we want to see some growth. In a moment here, Paul, uh, verse 17, Paul's changing direction. He, he's going to say, This I say therefore, and testify in the Lord that ye... Now, now Paul's saying, okay, Ephesians, I've given you all the groundwork. This is how it works. Now, here's what you got to do. And, and so, but this is the context. This is what God is trying to do. He has this thing called the church. You can only be a member of one church. You can only serve in one church. It's a body. Uh, and as you're a part of that body, the Holy Spirit is trying to make you and me and others in the church, all of us, work together in a spirit of love and grace. As you're growing in Christ and I am growing in Christ, we should develop some affection one for another. I mean... It's okay to like other people in the church. Amen? In fact, many of us, we are closer to people in the church than we are in our own families. 
especially if many of our family members are unsaved. We have more of a relationship here than we do out there. And someone says, oh, I'm just so afraid that, uh, that you're going to dominate my life. Uh, well, excuse me, I'm not trying to dominate anybody's life. But, but I do have a job. It's called Perfecting the Saints. And so I might be giving you some instruction and I'm asking you to give me the benefit of the doubt that we can work together on this thing that the Holy Spirit of God might just help us to enjoy the trip between here and eternity and to get something done. And and I want to tell you, Open Door Bible Baptist Church has gotten some things done. And it's not just because I'm such a wonderful pastor. I mean, that's a part of... No, uh, please. That is tongue-in-cheek. That's not serious. I can't do anything without the support of the people of this church. I, I can't do anything. And our people have allowed me to do some great things. In fact, I've had past... How many hundred do you run on Sunday morning? <laughs> Uh, we're still trying for that hundred mark. Uh, what? How, how do your people, you people, you must have rich people in your church. No, but I do have some people to give. And uh, I'll tell you, it's, it's a wonderful thing to be able to brag a little bit on the people of the church. Now, I don't do it to you too often because you get big heads and quit. But uh, we're, we're serving the Lord together in a very special way. We've got something here that God is giving us. And this is not unusual. This is in other churches. I love visiting Brother Merrill's church uh, when I was at Heartland uh, last week. Just there, stopped in, and man, I got there five minutes before church service started. Uh, I, I was listening to my little phone, and I shouldn't have been. Uh, and... Uh, uh, but I got there, and I'll tell you what, I just sat down, we sang the hymns, the same songs that we sing here. Uh, uh, Jed Smith was leading the songs, and his wife was playing the piano, and I'm just sitting here, wow, I'm home, this is great. And just uh, preached uh, the sermon I felt the Lord wanted me to preach, and man, the, the, uh, it, was, it was just like, it was almost like being here. It was just a whole different auditorium, uh, different people, different everything, but it was all the same because it's the same spirit. And God is trying to take the context of the local church and make it determine how we live each and every day. That's what the rest of the chapter is about. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you today.